This is episode 16 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 16 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm Andrew Hines, and today we have on the show Matt Pichet. Matt is a pretty exceptional real estate investor who has acquired over 20 properties using joint venture agreements. Matt is a realtor as well as an investor, and he really, really stresses that people should focus on an area. They should become an expert. So today we're going to hear all about his philosophy. And let's face it, this philosophy, although it may be different from others, it works and he is getting results from it. There's tons that we're going to learn from Matt today. I really enjoyed the conversation because he's a former carpenter. He's got a lot of skilled trade knowledge that he's going to share with us a little bit of information about budgeting for renovations, information about how to find off market deals. As per usual, we'll always dig into that. Quick announcement before we get into the episode. There is an upcoming event that is a networking event completely free of charge to meet with me and fellow investors in the greater Hamilton area. So all of the listeners who are in that area it's going to be on wednesday april 24th 2019 and there will be future events as well please reach out to me on instagram or facebook at the andrew hines send me a message and i will get you a detail i'll add you to the group and uh, get you the event details so that you can either uh, hook onto this event or you can get onto uh, a future event but uh, certainly hope to see you there looking to uh, connect with as many people as possible It's really going to be a great time. I'm really looking forward to it. Without further ado, here is episode 16 with Matt Pichet. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have Matt Pichet on the uh, podcast. I've been hearing all about him. He's all over social media. I even see your ads and uh, I just figured it was time. It was inevitable that uh, that you'd be on here eventually. So first off, thanks for taking the time to come on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me here. Awesome. So, well, I'm really glad to have you here. And um, from what I gather from your social media presence, you've got uh, quite the portfolio of real estate built up. So why don't you just tell me your, a little bit about your story, how you got into it, what you've got yourself into right now? Yeah, so I'll kind of start from the beginning. So right after high school, I kind of knew that going into academia was not for me. It wasn't really the best at kind of school type activities. So I went into construction, kind of uh, followed my dad's footsteps. His dad was a carpenter as well. So it was kind of in my blood type of thing. So I did one class in grade 11, a tech class, and I absolutely fell in love with it. Even though I kind of refused to be a carpenter, I didn't want to do that kind of work. Being like a young millennial, I thought I would do something cooler. But the second I did it, I realized this is for me totally. So right after high school, I did my apprenticeship as a carpenter. And then uh, I just kind of started researching real estate investing. I thought I would be a house flipper. That's the kind of the whole reason why I got into carpentry. I just fell in love with like HGTV and all the flip that house shows. And then as I started uh, doing carpentry, I realized, man, I can't do this forever. There's no way I could do this until I'm 50, 60. So that's when I started uh, investing in real estate. And I bought my first rental property at age 22. It's a small little townhome, 135000 super cheap, um, super easy. And then I started uh, do my own business renovating uh, properties strictly for real estate investors. So I kind of knew I had the entrepreneur spirit. Uh, so I kind of left my job right after my apprenticeship ended, which is the same month I bought that first property, started my own business. And then I started working for Rain members mainly and other Kitchener-Waterloo real estate investors. And the more I started working with them, the more they said, I wish you were a real estate agent. All the realtors I'm working with don't know anything about cash flow, don't know anything about real estate investing. You already know all of this. I wish you were a realtor. So again, going back, 
I thought, uh, I can't do carpentry forever. Even though I'm on my own now, I, I got my own business. I still don't really like it. I can't do this until I'm 50. So I made the switch. I jumped right in, uh, pretty much full-time studies and got my real estate license in four months. So I just crammed it all in, nice. uh, did that. And then kind of the rest is history. And I started buying properties here and there um, with, with just the money that I had. And I only bought about two or three properties with my own money until I ran out. I had no more credit, couldn't qualify for mortgage, had no more money. And that's kind of when the JV, uh, I guess, portfolio started growing really big. So I started advertising on YouTube and doing YouTube videos, mainly to build my real estate agent business that I just kind of recently started. And what kind of happens, I got a lot of clients, so it worked out the way it kind of should have. But I also started getting people uh, saying, why don't I just partner with you? I see what you're doing. You're the single family expert in Kitchener. That's, that, that's what I was branding myself as at, at that time. Um, so I had one partner come on, two partners come on, three partners come on. And I was like, holy crap, like this is kind of a new thing. It's working really well. So I just doubled down and started making more videos, more content, more blogs, wrote some books, and then just kind of started snowballing, snowballing. And then I'm getting partners kind of coming all the time now, which is really cool. Thanks to all social media. So it was a little bit of a feedback loop there. So you started to see it working and it made you yeah. want to do it even more. Exactly. I just kind of doubled down. And that's kind of where I am now. I'm just tripling down now. I'm <laughs> spending all my time on JV attraction marketing specifically. So the way I do the videos is really mainly to attract partners. So you're, you're trying to attract them without specifically saying so, or are you specifically saying so? Or It's kind of like a soft sell is what I kind of call it. So I'm kind of showing them what our business could be like. If you partner with me, it's going to look like this. If you partner with me, you can travel the world like me, et cetera. So I'm kind of soft selling the benefits of partnering with me. And then people just kind of read the hidden message, I guess. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm getting a lot of these interviews lately where people are into joint ventures. It's obviously a very common thing because yes. eventually if you're using your own money, everyone runs out. Even Warren Buffett, if he was using all his own For money, sure. uh, will eventually run out. Uh, what do your partnerships look like? Like what, what's the typical deal? So a typical deal is my partners have to bring all of the money and uh, to buy the property, renovate the property, closing costs, lawyer fees, all of the money and get the mortgage in their name. And then on closing day, that's kind of when I take over. So I manage the renovation. I manage finding the tenants. I manage the property manager, the bookkeeper. I do all the work for the property. I manage the whole business while they sit back um, and kind of relax or they learn from me if they want. So the, my JV partnerships are kind of set up as an apprenticeship program. It's kind of what I call them. So the intention is for people to learn from me, for me to be their coach. But what often happens is once the property set up and it's boring and it's easy, they, my partners kind of just relax and just kind of take it easy and just let me run things, which is nice. Okay. So you're, you're more just managing the people. You're not managing the property yourself. You're managing the manager. Exactly. Yeah. Have you been able to find yourself a good one that, uh, 100%. <laughs> so, that works out well for you? Yeah. So my main partner that I do most of my deals with, he's actually owns a property management company. So it's nice and easy. And it's actually the brokers that I work for. It's kind of like an all inclusive business, I guess. So it's nice and easy. I, I get to keep tabs on everything. Um, yeah. It's a great, great setup. And what a, how, what's your typical structure as, as far as like a company or a corporate structure goes? Do you have one company that all your JVs go to and then, or, or is there a different arrangement? Yeah. So at this time I have the one corporation that all of my off title JVs go into. And then we actually just recently bought a multifamily one that I also put that one into. So it's all corporate for now. All my flips go through the same corporation. It's just nice and easy, yeah. nice setup. Maybe in the future, in the near future, I'll have to do another corporation to kind of separate things. But at this time, yeah. it's just one. Yeah, that's the super frustrating thing. Every time my accountant tells me I need another corp, yeah. I'm like, no, please no. Yeah. It's, a, it's a lot <laughs> of money. <laughs> it's a lot more money of filing every year. I'm like, no, but I don't want to pay you an extra $2,000 exactly, a year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so so basically, uh, you're you're mainly doing, from the sounds of it, a buy and hold strategy. Yeah. So the main strategy is buy and holds. We're also doing more flips, and my focus right now actually is to build kind of a wholesaling and flipping business for myself. So we want to do a lot more flips coming up. But the main investment strategy, the main wealth strategy for us is definitely buy and hold. That's where we're making the most money. I know you've thrown around some some figures in terms of your personal portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, is this like, can, do you have a separated number of like, this is the asset value of what I what I own? Yeah, like the, like the total amount of real estate, uh, probably almost 8 million, somewhere around there. And, that, and that's including the JV split? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. And that's probably mostly done with other people's money, right? 100%. So like I said, I, I've only bought three properties in my own name with my money, all of the rest. And we have 23 properties now. So 20 properties are all JVs, none of my own money, none of my own credit, off title. Yeah, That's sweet, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's the one thing I, I've kind of, I've done, I've gone down that road a little bit with the JV idea, but I ultimately came back to, it's just so much more simple to do to own things on your own. So certainly you have some more accountability, but the sheer fact that you can go to the bank and you only have, you know, two or three mortgages in your yeah. name, the bank says yes when you want to buy a home, whereas me, I'm exactly. like loading them up in my personal name. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there, there's obviously an implication to that uh, to yeah. doing it that way. Um, what's your What's your goal to get this to? Like, what are you What are you trying to build towards right now? Yeah, so my goals are kind of changing all the time, but right at this time, um, my goal is twenty thousand dollars a month passive from my real estate investing business in cash flow. So once I have twenty thousand a month, that's kind of when, for now, I'm going to call it quits. Uh, or just slow it down a lot. It, it'll never quit, but slow it down a lot. And that's when we kind of want to move somewhere tropical, somewhere like Costa Rica, or even we'll just live in Canada for six months a year, travel to other places during the winter, something like that. But definitely a freedom uh, travel lifestyle and a much slower pace of lifestyle at that point. I'm working to get my fiance on board with uh, with such a plan. Yeah. <laughs> um, I set my goal to get to 10,000 passive, yeah. um, but we're actually just getting married now and I'm thinking, okay, you know what? In reality, if we want to do what you're proposing, which is yes. what we're thinking, like she wants to move to Austria for, you know, six months and, yeah. and you know, kind of basically be gypsies a little bit exactly, and, and move yeah. around. Um, probably need to get that up a little bit higher, yeah. but then also just kind of like figuring out ways to be frugal so that Definitely. we can do that. Yeah. I saw you had been to Hawaii on, uh, on one of your uh, stories. How'd you like that? Awesome. We love Hawaii. Uh, Love tropics, Costa Rica, Panama. We're going to Bali in, in, in about a month. So we love the tropic, warm lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, coming from Canada, it's not hard to uh, to see why. Yeah, yeah I'm, for sure. I'm, I'm on the similar page that I want to do the six months here because I still like coming home yeah. and I have family here, obviously. But, you know, the winter here is not enjoyable. It's terrible. Unless you're skiing. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> but we don't do that here. That's West Coast. So, so you're at about $8 million across the portfolio uh, you're setting the twenty thousand dollar a month personal. Is that personal passive cash flow? Personal, Do you yeah. put a reserve into these into these properties though? Like, are you building up a, a reserve? Yeah. So all of for now, like all of the cash flow in all of our properties goes right into the property's bank account. So I'm actually drawing nothing from all of my properties. All my income right now is flipping and being a real estate agent. Um, so that's kind of the focus now. What will happen is when I sell my fifty percent portions off, or if we sell the property completely, I will take that money. And likely pay off, you know, ten of my best properties completely off, and I'll keep them in my name at at that point. And then I'll, you know, I'll only have eight or ten properties in my portfolio, but they're completely paid off. Mm-hmm. Rents at that point will probably be somewhere close to two thousand. You know, I'll be netting seventeen hundred, let's say, on each one. You only need a couple of those, right? <laughs> it's true. It's that's definitely a less aggressive strategy. Obviously, you're not yeah. really leveraging the heck out of stuff. 
what are your thoughts on being able to just walk away? Like if you, if you, yes. you know, travel around the world and you're not here, what are your thoughts about how, what if something happens? Do you feel like that's all covered? It, I'm pretty confident having it covered. I have a good team here, a good property manager. Um, so it was something I'll, I'll definitely be active in when we're away traveling. I'll definitely check in with the property managers, you know, once a month, kind of keep tabs on everything. And that's, that's what I'll enjoy. I'll enjoy doing that. So it should be okay. I'm pretty confident it'll be fine. Yeah. I have no problems with trusting other people while I'm gone. They're all doing it now. Like I haven't seen most of my properties in three, four, five, six years. I haven't seen them. And I live in Kitchener. So <laughs> this is, that's actually amazing. Yeah. Well, I had, and it's probably just my challenges. I've gone through a few property managers and had varying degrees of success. Like some of them, it was good for a while. But what I started to notice, and it's maybe because of the niche I'm in, because I've done many high-end student rentals. Yeah. Like that's a, that takes a little bit of selling to get the higher rents. So basically what happened is I, I, I had a feeling that, that my property manager wasn't really giving me priority, which is yeah. pretty obvious. He had like 200 properties. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm, this year I want to handle it. Like I want to rent my stuff because you know, I feel like there's money being left on the table. They didn't take that well. They basically fired me as a client. Uh, <laughs> I guess I can see off. why. Um, but anyway, so I went out and I ended up renting out one of my properties and they were going to rent it for $750 a month. Like, they already thought I was out to lunch when I said I could get $750. I pushed yeah. them the first time. And then they got 750 the first time. But I'm like, you know what? That was way under rented because I did that sight unseen. Like the kids rented it just based on where it was and what we yes. said we were going to do. We were renovating. So then I went in, I held an open house. I had like 19 different uh, groups come through on a six bedroom student rental. And they were freaking out. People were pulling me aside like, we'll rent it right now. Yeah, like yeah. we just want to sign a lease right now. And I'm like, here's what we're going to do. And I yeah. told them all. And anyways, I ended up getting an extra 660 bucks a month by wow. doing that. My property manager wouldn't have done that. Yeah, and for sure. This is one of those tricky things because I think that maybe someone like yourself, you're acknowledging, yeah, if I did it myself, I could probably squeeze a little bit more if for I'm sure, aggressive, yeah. Yeah. but it's still okay. Is yeah. that how you're handling that? Or do you not think that's really a factor for you? It definitely like, I know I can do things better. Obviously it's my business. I'm obsessed with it. So I'm a way more obsessed than my property manager is about it. So I, I, I agree. I know I could do better, but at this point, um, they're still doing a great job, Yeah. but I'm focusing my time on growing the business, not focusing on, you know, the small dollar per hour kind of things, which is something I'm working on lately yeah. <laughs> to kind of give up more. I recently hired a social media guy to do all my videos. So I'm starting to be more comfortable with that. And I'm realizing the benefits of that just recently with having somebody on ed editing all my videos, all my podcasts, it's giving me so much more time to go out there, buy more deals, get more JV partners, make way more money than me doing the, the small little things. So I'm realizing the benefits in that. Okay, I'm still in the uh, the Gary V hustle model, uh, doing things myself. I did that uh, for too long, man. It was like seven years of hustling. I did everything myself in my whole business. So, it's, so is this person just working for you? Do they come to your house, or no? They work remotely from their house in in Waterloo. But uh, I just upload, you know, my the uh, like raw videos to Google Drive. He takes them down, edits them, uploads it to my YouTube channel, podcast, blogs. He just uploads everything, so it's done. I just look at my phone on Monday morning. Oh, it's been done. It's the coolest feeling ever. How much, uh, well, a couple of questions because <laughs> it's very topical to me. Hopefully other people care too. Yeah. Um, so one, this is more about trusting people. How do you, what parameters do you set so that you're not overpaying or, or time is not being abused? Yeah. So I'll just be totally upfront. I pay him $18 an hour, which I think is a, is a great rate. It's not too much. It's not too little. Um, yeah. And 
I found him through local real estate investing meetups. He started working for me for free. So that's how I kind of tested him. So I had him do free one minute Instagram videos. He did a bunch of those. And I was like, okay, his skills on editing are pretty good. I said, how about you take over a full length video? And then he just started killing it, making the YouTube thumbnails. He's doing great at that. So I spent about two hours kind of showing him what I expect and how I do it. And then he just kind of ran with it. So it's been pretty seamless. So when he worked for you for free, was that because he wanted to learn real estate? Yeah, exactly. He wanted to learn real estate, get like kind of free coaching from me in exchange for working for me. So that's how we kind of started it. And then once I started to realize like, man, I'm too busy, like showing properties to clients, buying properties for myself, you know, doing all these things in my business, uh, editing videos. It's like, there's too much. I'm not, I'm not growing. I'm not progressing in my business. So I said, I need to hire somebody. He was the perfect fit. So I just said, why don't you do these things for me? I'll just pay you $18 an hour and the rest is history. That's awesome. And honestly, for him, it's probably still a great deal because he's constantly sure. immersing himself in what you do and how you exactly, think, yeah. right? He's constantly exposed to it. Like that's, he's basically getting paid to go to university, but it's way better than a university degree. Way 100%. better. Because you can actually use this to make a lot of money. <laughs> exactly. University degree? Questionable. Yeah, um, 100%. So, okay. Just because you, we just said that. So for any, any really keen person listening, <laughs> I have a need. Come fill my need. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's really smart that you've done that. And I, I feel that um, like I've got like three podcasts lined up. Uh, I just I have one that I still have to do teasers for. I've got today. I've got one tomorrow and then another the day after. And they're all like going to be fantastic. And I just want to get them all out. For sure. But yeah. it's like that's like put everything else on hold to do definitely. all that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely in any business, in a real estate business. And I think that social media is a big part of a real estate investor's growth. If you really want to push it, like, Matt, why don't you just share like just how instrumental it's been for you? Like, like yeah. when did you first see that this was, this was doing it for you and, and how much did it change your life? Yeah. It's extremely powerful. And I say this on like every podcast I want, every video, uh, every single partner I've ever attracted ever have all come from YouTube every single one. So I want you to think about that. That's how powerful this is. I've never met these people most of the time until they want to partner with me. Then we meet up. Uh, I just closed a deal or closing a deal, sorry, uh, with a partner from Montreal. I've never met him before. He's giving me like $200,000 because he trusts me. He watches my videos. We talk on the phone. So he trusts me. He's seen the social proof from my past videos, from the walkthroughs. Those are why those are strategic. So I'm kind of selling, uh, like I said, soft selling my potential partners but yeah, social media, I think, is extremely powerful in 2019 and beyond. It is definitely where marketing is going, right? Print advertising or networking at networking meetings is cool. But I always say it's one-on-one, -on -one, you know, trade-off. I'm meeting one person, you know, or maybe throughout the whole night, I'll meet 15 people, maybe, at a networking meeting mm -hmm. that I really can talk to and speak to, right? So if I'm, still, if I'm doing videos, those are working for me 365 all year long. Like right now, those videos are being viewed by people. Right now, people are downloading my book and get, getting educated on me and how my partnerships work. So I'm selling to potentially thousands of people all at the same time right now, as opposed to just one-on-one. -on -one. So I think that's, if you really want to scale this thing and grow your yeah. business quickly, it is super important. You have to be on social media, in my mind, if you really want to scale your business quick. That's the, uh, the thing with YouTube that's great because people actively search YouTube and yeah. it's like how to invest in real estate. I don't know. For sure. Well, first off, are you targeting that word or is that what you, are you trying to get people who are searching for just how to invest? Yeah. So my videos are very, are kind of strategic in terms of, uh, 
my plan and what and my strategy so i'm educating them while educating them on general kind of real estate tips so i'm kind of setting them up for them to raise their hand and say you know i want to partner with you in terms of my ads it's just targeted to the word real estate investing or people who are interested in real estate investing and only in kitchener waterloo cambridge toronto mississauga that's it so i don't market to hamilton barry you know florida no it's only in my specific area so it's very targeted very niche because those are the people who are going to partner with me People from Florida or, you know, California, they might, but unlikely. But they can't get a mortgage here. So exactly. that's the other thing that's a deal breaker because you don't want to yes. be on a mortgage. You want your partner to be on the mortgage. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. What's your book called? Uh, Single Family Investing Made Simple. And then I have the Real Estate Investor's Handbook to Freedom, which is kind of the benefits of JVing with people. But again, it's a soft sell about why they should partner with me. And then um, my course, Unlimited Cash, where I teach you how to do exactly what I do with social media, how to build a brand, how to build a website, blog, videos, strategically to get JV partners. It's very, very uh, interesting. Um, so as far as your real estate, uh, like realtor business, yeah, is that something you're still pushing or is that something that it just kind of comes to you, people who call you for the same reason from YouTube? Uh, you know, right. can you help me buy a house even if they don't want a JV or do you yeah. find it's mostly just your JVs? So it's definitely the majority of my time is spent on the realtor business, which surprises some people because they think I'm just busy with real estate investing myself. But I'm actually a very active real estate uh, agent with investors. So I would say about 75% of my time is being a real estate agent. The other 25% okay. is a kind of passive investing. Twenty Only 25% is spent on this, yeah. this thing that you're doing that's just going to help you retire probably exactly. in the next couple of years. <laughs> exactly, right? That's all it takes, man. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's that's the incredible thing that I think a lot of people don't get with real estate, right? It looks so slow moving at first until the next big bubble or the next big economy yeah. uh, growth happens, and then it's like everyone who didn't do it is like, why, why didn't I? Yeah, uh, if only if only I could go back in time. But the, the reality sure. is, the time is now. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter that it already went up. The time is still now. Yeah. Um, so just before we get into some realtor questions, um. Uh, Starting with just going back to your YouTube strategy, do you not think that with all the people out there already doing this, that it's a little bit saturated for somebody to get in, say, on YouTube and and educate people on on real estate? Yeah, I would say absolutely not. There's tons of room. People want to invest with you and your personality type. So the reason why videos are so effective is because people can see who you are. They can see your personality if they're going to jive with you and they feel like they know you already, which is the best thing from videos. Like when I go to real estate investing events, people run up to me and they feel like we're friends already because I've been talking to them through video. So it's super powerful. So it's very tailored to your personality. So like some people might not want to partner with me. They might watch my videos and be like, this guy's too hippie. He wants to live in Costa Rica in the jungles. I don't want to work with this guy. They might go with someone like you. They might go with somebody else. So it's very uh, wide in terms of opportunity. You can definitely, there's always room on youtube yeah i couldn't agree more like just just personalities it's like yeah. who you jive with right like, for sure and it's funny i will have people reach out to me and i because of the podcast and it's like you cut through all that time that it took for that person to get to know you right like exactly. yeah i mean i still need to get to know them but they already feel like they know me and that's so powerful because they instantly kind of their guard is down we can just talk and uh, and share and and just to think like you've You've never actually known the people. They just came to you yeah. from YouTube. <laughs> I mean, like, you have to have trust, right? Uh, for a yeah. person to hand over money, they have to have trust. So so you're doing something really, really right with what you're doing. So uh, props to you, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, so as far as deals, let's get into some deals and what you look for. Like what to you is a good deal in your market? So Kitchener-Waterloo, 
Yeah. For those who aren't familiar with the area, is about an hour outside of Toronto. Uh, so it's felt the push, you know, the, the market increase because that was all driven by Toronto. Um, how are you finding deals? What's a good deal to you? Yeah, so there's three kind of different kind of deals I do. So number one is single family. That's my bread and butter. The majority of my properties are single family, which in Kitchener-Waterloo is usually a semi-detached property. Um, so we're buying those typically between 340 and 370. That's kind of the sweet spot. Uh, we're putting in around 20 to 30,000 of renovations when we close on it. And then uh, they're renting for 1750, 1800. So after all said and done, they're cash flowing about 100 to 200 dollars a month after property manager, after everything. So 100 bucks a month cash flow for me is good in Kitchener Waterloo because I know this is a, an, an amazing area. It's got all the job growth, population growth, all the fundamentals are here. So rent's only going to increase, property values are only going to increase. So for single family, 100 bucks cash flow in a good area, I'm cool with that. Uh, second thing we're doing a lot of is duplex conversions. So those properties we're buying, they're kind of an older bungalow. You know, they're around 400,000. We're putting in 60 to 90,000, depending on how old they are and how beat up they are. And then uh, they're worth 550 when we're done. So there's a lot of room there for some equity growth. And then those are cash flowing between 200 and 600 bucks a month um, after renovations, even after refinancing and pulling the money out. Yeah. They're still cash flowing pretty good. And then- How much did you say you were buying them for again? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt Yeah, no problem. Uh, around 400. So it'd be- 400 would be kind of the standard one. 450 would be like a nicer one with a garage. So between 400, 450. Okay. Last one is just flips. So we're always looking for good deals, off-market deals to flip. And then that's kind of the cash revenue stream while we're doing the buy and holds over here. How do you decide which ones to flip versus keep? So it's a basic basic number I run. So I take the after repair value. Uh, I times it by 80%. That'll give me kind of the most I can pay before renovations. Then I minus the renovation cost of what I think it is. And being a former carpenter, I can kind of assess things pretty quick when I walk through your property. So it's eighty percent of the after repair value minus renovations, which I pad pretty heavily, and then that's the price I pay. It's a very simple formula. So when I'm meeting with a seller, I can give them a price pretty much within five minutes. Okay. So one thing I, I missed, and it's probably just because I was trying to take notes here. Uh, you said on the semi-detached, you're buying for three forty to three seventy. What are you yeah. typically spending on renos on those? Between twenty and thirty thousand. Twenty and thirty, so so pretty pretty small. Yeah. Um, okay, so it, it seems like you're kind of in the well. You've acknowledged it, right? It's a it's a minimal cash flow market, but you're getting yeah. cash flow. Do you think most investors are getting cash flow where you are? Hundred percent. If they're working with me, that is. <laughs> so like oh, every yeah. partner that I or sorry, every client that I help, all of them cash flow. All of them do well. Hundred percent. But yeah, there are a lot of investors in Kitchener who are buying the wrong properties. Yeah. They're buying detached homes for you know four fifty, and the rents are only nineteen hundred. They're negative four hundred bucks. So yeah, yeah, that is a, a weird. That's a quick way to get out of the market of real estate investing. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. If you buy negative cash flow, you won't be in long. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's uh, that's uh, definitely a, something to keep in mind. So your flips, you've got your formula. Did you ever think you were going to flip one one time, and you ended up just keeping it because you liked it as a rental? Uh, no, so far, every one that we flipped was intentionally to flip. We flipped so far, <laughs> um, but we pretty much flip every property because we're usually buying yeah, kind of yeah. piece of crap properties. So we're doing the mm-hmm. whole thing over refinancing them and, or just keeping them as buy and hold. Okay. Now let's just dig into a little bit of what you're doing to the properties. So a duplex conversion is sort of self-explanatory. You're finishing the basement. Yeah. Probably a one bed, sorry, one or two bed. Yeah, one exactly. Bath. Yeah. Okay. And uh, those will probably rent what twelve hundred bucks a month. Those will rent between twelve hundred and fourteen hundred. If it's a two bedroom, 14. fourteen. If it's a one bedroom, twelve. Yeah. Okay. Now the uh, other one that you're doing, so so the semis. So 
those are probably what a three bed typically when you go in with a basement that's unfinished so it's three bed one bath basement is usually finished but it's kind of wood paneling or it's just ugly but uh, yeah let's walk through what you do a little bit in some ballpark numbers so say you walked into one and i know you've shot some youtube videos on these which is cool because maybe people could just look them up and they'll see what you did sure yeah uh walk walk me through a recent project and what you did yeah, so pretty much what we always do on every property is the cosmetics. That's what I love. So when I go to a property, I kind of stay away from foundation issues or taking down major walls. We've done that a couple times, but if it's major walls that requires permits, not really into it. I'm into quick flips. So we flip most of our properties in 30 days. So all we're doing pretty much is paint, floor, trim, kitchens, and bathrooms. That's like the gold standard that we just do over and over again. The system set up. My contractors know the exact materials I'm using. They can literally flip a home for me without even me going because they know exactly what to do. So it's the same thing over and over again. Paint, floor, trim, kitchens, bath, just cosmetics. So a medium-sized kitchen, I, I think your kitchens are kind of right in the middle. They're not small. They're not big. Yeah. Um, what are you spending on a kitchen ballpark? Kitchen about six to 8000 So if it's a rental property, it'll probably cost 6000 installed, uh, done. If it's a flip, we'll probably cost 8000 because we're doing quartz countertops. Oh, okay. So you do quartz on, on which ones? Sorry. On flips only on the flips only. So you're doing yeah. laminate and I'm assuming your cabinet provider just throws in the countertop when they install it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. So they just come in and install the whole thing. So you're yes. doing basic finish, like just white. Is that the cheapest you can do? Or are you trying to do a little nicer? Yeah. So we're doing white shakers pretty much on, on all the properties we use. Um, kind of the houses we're flipping are kind of entry level flips. That's another thing I kind of focus on when we're flipping. I don't want to flip a high end home. Not yet. I just like the boring singles. I like them to be guaranteed as much as possible. So we're doing starter homes. So we're using like the basic white shaker cabinets and they work for rentals or flips. Okay. Uh, so, so basics. Yeah. And I think that's smart because you're kind of probably playing in the, what can I sell in 30 days on the market? If I, yeah, if I exactly. want to, right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm seeing that as a consistent thing with people I, I've been interviewing is the ones that are doing high volume. They're always looking at basically, you know, an after repair value formula, like you've, you've quoted and then getting into a price range where people will will undoubtedly buy it yeah like they just they just know that hey like that's that's a good deal it's a good starter home it's great to have something that looks good uh for this price range yeah so you're are you are you generally priced a bit better than your competition when you list yeah so I, we always list like right on market value we're not in there to mess around try and you know take long the market we just want to sell it boom and then the buyer feels like they got a good deal we got a good deal we all made money let's just keep going so you're six to eight thousand on your on your kitchens uh, then you said you've got paint uh, trim and door. You got to do something to the bathrooms. What are you typically doing? So the same tile. So we rip out pretty much everything. Usually I'll do a new tub, tile this around, new floors, uh, tile on the floor, a nice Ikea vanity, like, like a floating vanity. That's, that's my thing. That's kind of my signature. <laughs> Always floating vanities for some reason. They just look nice. And then oh, uh, cool, yeah, it's the same, same bathroom. So that bathroom approximately, what's that costing you to do? Maybe four or 5,000 when it's okay. done. Probably well, plus flooring, I'm assuming, or that includes the floor. That includes it normally. Yeah. Yeah. So that would, do you do tile in your, yeah. in your bathrooms? Okay. So tile in the bathrooms. Yeah. And then you've got flooring. What are you typically spending on flooring for a, for a property? So the tile, the floor tile we use is 525 a square foot. So that's the only really material where we like splurge. It's kind of like the hexagon white tiles with black grout. It looks super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's kind of the only thing that's like excessive that we do in terms of price. Everything else is kind of not cheap, but good quality, but low price. Good value, right? Good right. value. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> So uh, budget-wise for the whole thing, I'm just trying to break down the numbers because I've never really yeah. done that in an episode and you've obviously got very current information for your market mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so so you're 525 a square foot in the bathroom. That's actually a little pricey plus install, yes. right? 
Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so that's pricey. But it's yeah. a small surface area anyway, right? It's only like 50 square feet at max. 50 square feet mostly, right? Yeah. So. I like to do that type of thing too. One of the other things I find that, that a lot of people don't do, which I can't understand, is backsplash. Like, yes. It's not that big of an area. And it makes you just spend the money. Difference. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like subway tiles are so cheap. Exactly. Just, yeah. just throw some subway tiles. That's what we there. use. Yeah, same thing. And it'll help your durability. If it's a rental, it helps durability long-term. Yeah, 100%. Um, okay, so budget for flooring for uh, for the whole project on a semi, what, what would you typically throw in as a budget number? 5,000 would be the floor 5, material. 000. Yeah. And then are you doing drywall repairs ever or a little bit of touch-up? Not really. We're just touching up before we paint, obviously, but like again, we're not taking down walls. But yeah, we're touching up the walls a little bit. So what do you budget then for like a touch-up and paint on, on a... It's hard to assess because when I go in there, I just budget the whole project. Just yeah, from yeah. being like a renovator, I just walk in there. So I could just tell you the average okay, flip sure, is about sure. sixty, seventy thousand. That's kind of like the max. That's as a flip. Okay, so you're thing, putting more flip. into a flip then, yeah? Because you're saying yeah. a semi, you're typically twenty to thirty, and you're still able to do the kitchen, bathroom, flooring, paint, trim. Yeah, trim. yeah. And you're doing it efficiently. <laughs> so are you just doing <laughs> like basic? Team having a crew of guys that you can work and provide work the whole year you get a better rate yeah they give you better pricing right are you just doing like the most basic trim like colonial no so that's another thing where we spend money on so we do six inch uh step base so it's kind of really fancy really nice and that is about i think it's 89 cents a linear foot so again it's a little pricey i guess what i kind of do mostly is i spend a little more on some of the materials because the install is the exact same whether I'm yeah. installing a piece of crap trim, three inch colonial, or a six inch base, it's the same install. So I might as well spend a little more on the material, like the fancy floor tile on the floor. It's the same install as doing a, a crappy tile, but it just elevates it totally. Well, I mean, I, I can't say like for you, but I can say for myself, I always wanted to do those little things because I wanted my, my tenants, because I wasn't really looking to sell per se, but I wanted my tenants to go in and look at the competition and then look at mine and choose mine. Because you know they're looking anyway. So sure. you might as well do a couple little things where you know people are going to say, whoa. I've been, the other thing I do um, in a lot of my properties is I'll do an accent wall. Same here. Yeah. So, same yeah, thing. Like, yeah. Like a barn board accent wall, or I'll do a tile. Like a, a, I, I used to get this like brick veneer. It looks like brick, and I'd yeah. throw a TV right on it. So the TV's yeah, floating perfect. on the wall. Yeah. Just those little things, right? The average re- landlord won't do that. But you know, your, your challenge for a homeowner, that's even harder, right? Because, some homeowners homeowners don't like you know gray they wanted they wanted uh, yeah. you know a, a, a brown or an earthy tone and, and exactly you're, yeah. you're dealing with all that too so yeah we're doing all neutral colors so the color we use is a light gray kind of actually like this color right about here if you can yeah, see the yeah. video <laughs> same light gray we use on all of it and then we do like a dark blue accent wall that's the accent color we always do and okay. then uh, and then we stage the home always on a flip so it always looks amazing and it's neutral so people can just paint over it if they don't like yeah. it right is that your, do you own your own furniture for, for staging? Not yet. Or? It's all, we, at this point, we're just uh, still hiring stager. But again, because we use her so much, it's a great price. I think we pay, actually, it's 1200 bucks per house to stage. That's so all they the move fur- it in, leave the, the furniture there, yeah. and take it out for 1200 yeah, 1200 bucks, and that's 60 days of leaving the material in there. We always sell the house in like 30 days now. <laughs> so it's a great, great price, yeah. Yeah, so you've got your you've got your process down. That's yeah. So the more one thing I could say is the more volume you can do, the better you're gonna make it. So more of like a business. So if you use the same contractors over and over again, if you, if you can keep them busy all year long and have them pretty much work for you, you're gonna get way better prices. If you give the stager, you know, more and more work every month, she's staging a house for you. You're gonna get a great price. Yeah, absolutely. And I, for a while there, when I was doing a lot of deals, and I 
London, you know, London's kind of gone crazy. So that was where all my stuff was. It still is there. It's just I've kind of taken the pressure off because I don't want to get into bidding wars. Uh, For sure, yeah. So I'm kind of examining other things. But when I was doing a lot, it was just so easy to get people to come, you know, come back because you're just constantly the guy that pays quick. You know, that's another thing you could do. Just be the guy that pays right away the second you get an invoice. And they're like, well, I'd rather work for you because exactly. you're, you're easy. The other thing you can do is I, I do automatic deposit. So I do direct deposit into their accounts. So yeah, kind of makes me feel like a badass too. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's way better. Yeah. People are like, how do you do that? <laughs> it's a trick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It costs like 85 cents to do. So it's actually, you know, I would highly recommend it. For sure. Um, okay, so I'm just trying to think of what we haven't covered. You're you're straight to the point, Matt. I like that. <laughs> I always get that when I do podcasts. It's always like 20, 30 minutes, and people are like, "Oh, I guess we're done." <laughs> it's just boom, boom, boom. Oh, I'm good. It's not just me. Then. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, well, you've you've done so much, but you're you're articulating it very well. Like this is this is my process. This is what I do. Yeah. Um, you know, this is how I do it. Is there anything that that you personally would want to share about your journey? about what's made you successful and and what you could see or recommend for other people that, that they could do. Yeah, I would, I always say for newer people or people getting started is focus more on the long-term real estate. So get buy and holds. That's really what's going to make you wealthy very quickly. And like you said before, it starts off slow. It's, it feels like it's taking forever and it does until you, I, I feel like you get to property four, five, six around that range. That's when you really start realizing the power of real estate when you got when you kind of think of oh i got six properties all appreciating at the same time all getting paid down you know if you think about the numbers wise you know you're thinking like oh i'm making 20 to thirty thousand dollars a month on all of them together with cash flow and appreciation and pay down i'm not getting the money yet in cash but in real life i'm making you know thirty thousand a month just from like six or seven properties and then when you get up to 10 15 20 you're just like it's just mind-blowing how powerful long-term real estate is with money working in the background and then once you kind of get a business kind of set up with the back or the long-term real estate, then I would say kind of focus on uh, flips. So get wealthy first, get boring wealth, and then get rich with the flipping. And then when you combine it together, it's amazing. So that's your recipe? That's the recipe. <laughs> okay. So, so basically what you're recommending people do is go to your spreadsheet yeah. Go, go look at how much money you're paying down on your mortgage. Look at, at how much your market's going up in value. I mean, conservatively in your market, I mean, 3% is nowhere near what you're actually getting. But you oh, can say, sure, yeah. even if you say we're going up 3% a year, um, which is what I would, you know, I'd build that into my numbers. 3% a year is pretty safe yes, bet. Exactly. You're, if you're not seeing over over 30% return on investment, you're probably doing something wrong. For sure, yeah. Yeah, if, you, if you're just like a... But I mean, you certainly, like you said, you could buy a bad property that's negative cash flow. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I noticed that as I really started to put on the jets and, and in the last few years when I was doing my tax returns and seeing that my portfolio was like basically generating as much as my income oh, or yeah. more. And I'm For like, sure. yeah, sure. I'm not getting it in cash because a lot of it's paying down the mortgage and what have you. But yeah, if you add in that appreciation element, it's just like, why wouldn't I do this? Yes. I, I, I keep asking that question. Like, why don't people invest in real estate? I don't understand. Like, I, I can't find a better investment yet. Honestly, I haven't found anything better than real estate. Nothing. Like, like people who argue to invest in stocks and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, how much, how much are you getting? Like 20%? Oh no, like seven? I'm like, yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah, terrible. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> yeah. You should, you should get in, you know? Um, what would you tell people not to do? 
not to do would be chasing deals. So that's something I see a lot with new investors and even veteran investors. They're chasing deals all over the place. They're buying three hours over there, three hours over there, across the country, a different country, just chasing cash flow. When people say, you know, cash is king, cash is king, it's true. You know, like I, like I said, every property must cash flow on day one. However, if you're chasing deals all over the place just for cash flow, you're going to get into big trouble because you're scaling too quickly. And it's just too much to manage. You can have property managers in this city, property managers in that city, realtors in this city. You have to try to run the whole thing. It's just too chaotic for me. For me. And I always recommend uh, simple. That's why I like it. I want to be on the beach, chilling out. I don't want to be getting phone calls. I don't want to be stressed out. So I specialize in one area only, and I'm the expert. I'm the guy. When it comes to Kitchen Waterloo, I'm the guy. There's nobody else you should come to. That's the message I'm sending out, and that's the knowledge I have. So I, I know the street names, etc. I know how I renovate them, what the rent's going to be, what kind of tenant I'm going to get, simple. And then I just only buy in that area. Absolutely. And what you, you made a really good point there is in any new area you go to, not only is it extra stress, not only are you spreading your resources, you have to build a system in that area. You have to find property managers. You have to start from scratch. So for me, London's an hour and a half from where I live. So I, I actually want something closer to home that I can specialize in. Yeah. I'll always know that place because that's where I went to school and, and it all have stuff and do stuff there. But it, I acknowledge it's work, man. And you make, oh, yeah. you make the right point. So a friend of mine, he hasn't bought his first property yet and he keeps talking. He's searching all over. Yeah. And I just throw what you say in, in his face. I'm like, no, dude, you don't understand how much work that's going to be. Yeah. Don't just buy anywhere. Buy close to home yeah. so that you can, at, at least at first, you can manage at it. At first, yeah. And then you can start hiring people. And, and But if people see you're not around, yeah. then they'll try and take advantage. It's for it's sure. Classic. Yeah, you're, you're dealing with that. And like, the main focus is to stay in your hometown area if possible. If you live in a terrible investing area, if you live, you know, northern Waterloo or, or northern Ontario, sorry, and, you know, there's just not a good place to invest, you can live in Ontario and specialize in Calgary. Just only buy in Calgary. Don't be buying all over the place in Alberta, BC, Ontario, the States. Then it's just trouble. Yeah, it's just going to add anxiety and all kinds of work to your life. It's not that you can't do it, but you have to understand that that's an investment, a huge investment of your time. Like for me, because I do a lot of stuff that does require a permit, that means I need to learn that municipality. I need to go into City Hall and figure out how how they act, how easy are they to deal with, how hard are they to deal with, what are their unique bylaws versus the other town that I'm investing in. Exactly. And some of them, the information is is really easy and some of them make it incredibly hard. So yeah. And there's pros and cons to that because the harder it is, I think the more people shy away from it. So yeah, it gives you an opportunity. And then you get stuck doing things that aren't high dollar per hour values, right? You're just doing things. You're learning the system of the city. You're learning how to do this. You're networking with property managers instead of being the face of your business, being the marketer and attracting more JV partners. That's what I always say. You know, your main focus as a real estate investor should be marketing. You know, I always say you're not a real estate investor. You're a marketer first, really. And your job is to get money from for more properties and be the face, be the brand of your business. That's your main focus. You do real estate investing, but you're actually a marketer first, really. Personal brand first. 100%. That's, that's the most critical part. Um, and I was late to that game. You started like six years ago. I started like six months ago. <laughs> but uh, trying to make hey, up for it. It's working. Uh, yeah. So one, a couple of questions that just kind of came to mind because we didn't cover them before. What do you factor in when you're coming up with your cash flow? Do you budget for a maintenance, landscaping? Like what goes into your number when you're calculating it? Yeah, so we have a vacancy fund, uh, which is 5% of the rent. But like I said, uh, 
all the cash flow of the property goes right back into the property's separate bank account. So it's all a vacancy fund, really. We're all banking for a rainy day fund. And then if something does come up, you know, in three months, five months, six months, the tenant moves out, we have a month layover or the tap breaks on the sink. We have money. I'm, and also, I don't look stupid going back to my JV partner asking for more money. That's kind of why I do that. So it's m- passive as possible for them. They're not really hearing from me. And 90% of the time, that's how our, our properties work. We have very few repairs because we are flipping them on day one. So we're pretty much good for like five or 10 years for most uh, material things. So they don't really hear from me really ever until tax time, this time of the year, when I just send the, the, the statements from our accountant and then we just chat quickly about the property. Oh, it's good. It's boring. It's still cash flowing. Yep. Okay. That's it. It's a great deal for them. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so 5% vacancy, you build in a, a maintenance amount as well? Yeah. So the 5% uh, vacancy is in there. And then I, I don't really put a uh, maintenance fund because all the cash flow is maintenance. We just save it all. Yeah. Do you, do you get your cash flow or your account up to a certain point before you, before you will take money out of it? So at this point, not yet. We're just banking everything. And my partners are, are okay with that. That's what I express when we, before we do the, the, the uh, JV, we're going to save all the cash flow for, because we have a five-year timeline. So we're going to keep these properties five years and then sell them. So we're going to bank all of it. And then and when we sell in five years, we'll have a big party then and we'll take all the money that we've been saving <laughs> up and split it all. And then we'll have all the money. And then go to Vegas. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, from where you started, have you, have you reached maturity on that five-year timeline on a few or many? So a couple we've had for six years. Um, and then that's when I first kind of started with the JV traction. But like I said, it was slow. I got one, two, three here and there. Okay. It's only recently, really the past two or three years that I've been getting a lot more. So those haven't really reached maturity yet. Every property I've ever bought so far, I've, I've never sold one yet in my career yet. So we still have You've all never of sold any of, the, any of the ones that were intended to be held. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's interesting. So you probably got some accounts with some, uh, some good balances on them now. Yeah. Nice and healthy funds yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. I, I personally, because of the way my mortgages were all, were all set up, I, I just decided, especially cause stuff can go wrong in a student rental. I minimum keep it at 10,000. Like I hit 10,000 yeah. and I'm willing to take out, but I don't even know. Yeah. Like I generally don't touch my accounts. I just, yeah. cause you never know. You, all of a sudden you got to call pest control and there's 500 bucks. Like you, yeah. like you just never know what might come up. And for me, I guess I'm just, I have, everybody has to do what feels good. And for yeah. me, having a lot of cash available helps me sleep yes. at night, right? And everyone's got to do what, what sounds right to them. Yeah. And that fits with my ideal uh, lifestyle and investment. I want to pass it, I want it boring. And then when things do come up, when there's a repair, you know, when a tenant says, Matt, my kitchen tap is breaking or whatever, I don't have an issue. You know, I, I send the handyman out right away. I pay for it. The money's no big deal. It's like 500 bucks, whatever, because I have four, six, 7,000 in there. And your tenant is like, oh my God, like this best landlord ever. They fix things right away because we have the money. I'm not stressing. I don't have to move money around for my credit card and trying to make it work. The money's already there. No problem. You know, we'll fix that right away. And then it just builds a better business, you know, model for you and your tenants love you. Yeah. And then that, that could get, uh, obviously gets messy from a uh, accounting standpoint too, if you're having to do all that stuff. And you'll notice that like as a tenant, like you would, if, if you're a tenant, you'll notice like a good landlord, they're, they're the ones that fix stuff fast and they do it because they have a system, right? right. Exactly. Yeah. You have a system. The people who don't, yeah, they're the ones that are scrambling. 100%. Um, you're a realtor. As an investor, a lot of people say, oh, you don't want to be a realtor too. Yeah. A lot of people say absolutely better to be. What are your thoughts on being a realtor and an investor and how that, that works? So I get this question a lot. So if I would say you only become a real estate agent if you really want to become a real estate agent. If you think it's just going to be better for you to buy your own properties and you're just going to do a couple of deals a year, absolutely do not become a real estate agent. 
It is super expensive just to be one. It's like the most expensive thing. It still blows my mind how much it's like robbing real, real estate agents. It's crazy expensive to be a realtor. So if you want to be one and you're doing deals, you know, every two weeks, every month, then it's totally worth it. It's a great industry. But uh, like I say, you, you really have to want to be a realtor in order to make it, you know, work and worth it. And then going back to, is it helping me as a real estate investor? A hundred percent. So a lot of people and wholesalers will say, never become a realtor because you have to disclose that you're a realtor when you're buying any property, which is a hundred percent true if you want to do it legally. And, uh, but I have had no problems with that. None at all. And even when I do buy off market deals, I find it adds even more credibility when I go into the, the, the seller's home and say, you know, by the way, before we start moving forward, I have to let you know, I'm a real estate agent, but I'm not looking to sell your house, I'm going to actually buy it. And they just feel way more comfortable because they know I, I have to do it right. I can't take advantage of them. I have to sign them uh, a form telling them I'm a real estate agent. I am going to make a profit on this property, which you think would just kill the deal. Especially if I'm buying an off-market deal undervalued, I have to literally tell them I'm buying this under market value and you know this. No problems. Not yet. Every seller is like, oh, no problem. So you have your shtick with them. You say, hey, I'm an investor first and, and I need to make money here. So I'm being completely upfront with you. And by the way, it is written here as well. I want to make sure it's fully disclosed to you. Yeah. And when you do become vulnerable and upfront with them, they, they know right away, okay, this guy is not taking advantage of me. He's telling me the whole thing right up front, how it's going to work. And then they trust you even more. So I think it's actually even better. It's helped me 10 times more being a real estate agent to build this business, I think. It's funny because I've heard, I've heard people say the exact opposite. Oh, don't do it. I'm, I'm in a tricky spot. And I'm like... You know, I actually think it's more like what you say. Uh, I don't think you'd have any problem. It's all you find your own voice, find find what what feels right to you to say and, and go with that, because that's what you're going to be most convincing with. And obviously, honesty is the best policy with, with that. People can smell bullshit. Like, <laughs> yes. don't don't BS people. Especially it's nowadays. Not, yeah. It's not going to work out. So, yeah. And you've obviously got that going going on YouTube, too. You're not faking anything. You're just being completely genuine, sincere with people. And that, that resonates, that, that makes people want to do business with you. Yeah. Um, okay. So you brought up off market deals. I'm going to ask you about it. How are you finding them? Yeah. So I'm finding them with flyers. That's my number one, uh, best Avenue is just a basic flyer. The crappier it looks, the better I find. So don't make it too fancy. Don't put colors on it. Cause it looks like a realtor advertisement. And what do people do with realtor stuff right in the recycling oh. bin right away? So it's crappy. It's just like a piece of white paper. I wish I had one on me here. Um, just a white piece of paper. It says, you know, I'm a real estate investor. I buy three to four homes a month in your area. I want to buy more. Call me. Just super basic. That's it? That's it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. You don't say any condition or anything like that? I do that. say that. Yeah. So it's all, it's just like the, the, the paragraphs, like two sentences. Yeah. yeah. Super easy. Smellier, the better. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think it, you tell me your take on this because I, I, I'm genuinely curious and I know a lot of the listeners are too. Um, it's always about assessing who are the people, who's your target with that ad? Like who's yeah. the person that doesn't want to list yeah. that would rather sell it to you? Can you explain who that person is? Yeah. So for me, going back to thinking about all the deals I've done privately, which isn't really that much. I've just kind of recently started this it's about four or five deals I've done with those flyers. Um, every single one though, every single person um, hated realtors for some reason. They just didn't want to work with realtors. And even though, I, like I said, I had to be honest, by the way, I'm a realtor on the first show, on the first viewing. Oh yeah, okay. They just kind of forgot about it. But yeah, they just hate realtors. They don't want to deal with the bullshit. Also, they feel like um, they want privacy. They don't want people coming through their home. A lot of the homes I was buying from the, those flyers were, you know, messy, dirty homes. They had like no flooring. They were living on the subfloor. 
So they'd probably be embarrassed having people come through. Their neighbors obviously would be coming through. They just want to avoid all that. A super easy close. So that's kind of the people that would or have been、uh, calling me from flyers. Just people who just don't want to work with realtors. They want privacy, quick close. Yeah. And、uh, those flyers, are you sending them out through post or are you actually delivering them? So I send them out through the post. So it's all the mailman drops them off. Yeah. Yeah. It's about seventeen cents per door. Yeah. Really. That's not too bad. It's not too bad. I've heard people get get it lower. I know some wholesalers in the London area are they just hire like a company, and I think they're paying like ten or twelve cents a door. But with Canada Post, it's guaranteed. They're not going to throw them in the dumpster. No, I've done that. I've actually paid somebody to hand out door door hangers. Yeah, like、uh, and and she just took our money and didn't. Yeah, <laughs> and then wouldn't wouldn't answer. She took our、yeah. box full of flyers. I wish she just left the flyers and took. I know、money. that's the worst part. Yeah. <laughs> just give yeah. me the flyers back, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you go with yellow? Just curious. That's the the go to for most. I don't know. I just thought a lot of people were doing yellow, so I had to be stand out. And like I said, just the crappy piece of white paper kind of、uh, is eye catching、yeah. a little. Bit,、um, so yeah, I haven't tried it, yeah. But so, how long did you need to do that before you you found success with it? How many months and how big of an area were you targeting? Yeah, so the most mailouts I've been doing was about two to three thousand doors per mailout,、uh, which is fairly small compared to other wholesalers that I know, and、uh, it works pretty much right away. So I would say on every two mailouts, I'll probably get one deal. So every six thousand homes, I'll probably get one. But coming forward, I'm, I want to scale this thing now. Like I said, I got the buy and hold business; it's all good. Now I'm moving to the rich side, the flip side. So I'm going to be spending a lot more coming up on flyers.、So、it'll be interesting to see, you know, ten thousand, fifteen thousand doors at a time, and let's see how that works. So it's kind of experimenting as I go. So it's interesting. So you're just targeting one postal code, and for our Americans, that's a zip code.、Um, yes. So just one postal code to the letter. Get all those homes. And, yeah,、uh, and then just hit them twice, and usually you're getting at least one deal. You're probably getting、exactly. many calls, and you're seeing a few deals, and then and yeah, then, and then picking one. 100. So the thing with Canada Post, which is cool, is that I can draw out the neighborhood that I want, like the streets. So I can tell them, like, I want this neighborhood. So even beyond the zip code, I only want this street, you know, this street over here. It was very specific, and that's why I kind of like, you know, paying a lot extra. Dude, that is pure gold. That's awesome. And I, I've been saying this. My my friends are realtor as well. Well, my my future brother in law, and I I keep telling them. I'm like, I've seen realtors do this so many times. Yeah, Focus、nice. on an area, become the guy in that area. Yeah. And, and just like we could become the investor in that area, the the you know everybody knows this this they get this flyer every month. Exactly. If you just specifically focus on an area, they become they start to know you.、Um, so it works as an investor, works as a realtor. I'm sure you've probably done that as a realtor too.、Uh, exactly. Yeah. Deals. Yeah. Just specialize and become the expert is the number one key I could tell anybody on this podcast. <laughs> be the expert, whether it's your area. Well, it should be what you do and your area. Yes, exactly,、uh, absolutely.、Um, big part of why I do this podcast, honestly, because I flew under the area or under the radar for like five years as I was investing six, seven. Well, I've been investing since two thousand eleven. Yeah, I never really felt like I had anything worthwhile to share until probably like twenty fifteen. Yeah. And I, I never wanted anybody to know what I was doing, and it was、Same、just、here. weird. Yeah, yeah that's. But ever that's since now, like, yeah, it's just it's been so good. I've met so many people. Like, we、yeah. connected. I've connected with、uh, a person on Instagram that bought a house from me. I thought that was kind of、awesome. cool. <laughs> yes,、yeah. social media works, man. It, it、oh, absolutely、totally. does.、Um, so here's what's funny, and I don't, I'm sure most of our listeners don't know、uh, this. So, you're a musician. You used to play and sing、yeah. in a band. Yeah, I used to play. Yeah, in a band. Yeah. Okay. 
and uh, I used to play and sing in a band. We were both uh, we're both vegan. I, this was like yeah. my first message to you. I'm like, okay, yeah. we're probably gonna have to chat. <laughs> yeah, we're like the same. <laughs> and both enjoy Costa Rica and Hawaii. Exactly. And I'm sure there's a few other um, other similarities. And it's it's funny because I I just interviewed. You're the third straight person that eats a full plant based diet. And I didn't even know the other two. They're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're vegan. I'm like, yeah, oh, it's great. Small yeah. world, man. It's, it's coming along. I find uh, a lot of plant-based people who are like high achievers uh, become plant-based eaters. So it's real estate or entrepreneur. People are just more, you know, health-minded, I guess. And I find I meet a lot more vegans in this community of real estate investing or business. It's interesting. Well, I think here's my, here's my take. Uh, real estate investors are people who think outside the box because every inside the boxes, you go to work, you, you invest in your, your 401k or your RSP exactly. and, and you retire one day and the, the system will take yeah. care of you. Real estate investors figured it out. That's all BS. Yeah. And you need to go out and do this. And I think once you're thinking outside the box, you start questioning things and Questioning things leads to uh, to this without getting on a rant. <laughs> exactly. Going down a conspiracy rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah. I, I do that enough. I'm not going to do that. Oh, anymore. yeah. 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 Um, okay. So <laughs> on that note, if somebody would want to uh, get in touch with you, Matt, what is the best place for them to find you or reach you? Yeah. Best place to find me and learn about me would be YouTube. So just type in the fruitful investor on YouTube. You'll find me right away. And if you want to reach out to me, probably Instagram. So at uh, Matt Pichet. You'll find me, you can DM me, we can chat there, mm -hmm. probably the best places. Yeah, there's there's absolutely, there's tons of information on Matt's YouTube uh, page. You'd probably be there for days if you wanted to watch it all, watch <laughs> weeks. So, yeah. uh, so, so definitely a good place to start, learn learn about him if you're, uh, if you're interested in doing so. Uh, okay, so Matt, I obviously know a little bit about you because of your YouTube. Uh, tell me something that most people don't know about you. I don't know? Uh... Well, it's hard to, I'm pretty open on my YouTube channel. People know a lot about me, but people might not know that I'm like a huge hippie, huge into health, like spirituality. You can see behind me, I got like singing bowls here. <laughs> so I'm all into oh, really? that kind of, all into that kind of music and hippie stuff. So, uh, maybe that, but I share a lot about myself on YouTube. I can okay. say I love to travel, music. Most people are probably already know that if they follow me. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I haven't seen it all. Right. So there's obviously a lot of catching up. I just kind of stumbled across you a few, uh, a few months ago. So, yeah, nice. Um, oh, that's awesome. What's your favorite real estate based book? Based book would be probably Don Campbell, Real Estate Investing in Canada 2.0. That was the book that kind of started off. And for a lot of people, I understand that's what really got me going. And then uh, one place that you have not yet been that you, uh, you're looking forward to going? Bali. We're going to that pretty soon. I've been wanting to go there for years, so I'm really excited to see something uh, different, a totally different culture than you know North America or South America. Yeah, I uh, I know my fiance has been talking about going there as well, so I'll have to get out that way. Um, okay, awesome. Well, if uh, if anyone wants to reach me, it's at the Andrew Hines on Instagram or Facebook, and uh, definitely would love to connect. If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, subscribe and share this episode with Matt because there are so many people like think of one person that would benefit from hearing what Matt said today. And I'm sure you could think of 10, uh, send it to at least one and hopefully 10, um, you know, spread the word because obviously you're helping, helping your friends and, and I think it'd be a win-win for everyone. So Matt, thanks so much for, for coming on the, uh, the show. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll have to have you on again. Maybe we'll go through another case study and, and just kind of see what, uh, what you've been up to. And uh, I'll look forward to it. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Matt. All right. Talk to you later.